Well, my name is Norman, and I'm a real alcoholic. And I'm grateful to be part of the Three Legacies Workshop, and I am going to talk about the principles of recovery today. And uh, thank you for inviting me to be part of this. Um, I want to begin by saying that what you do is far less important than who you are. And um, the big book describes our problem as a spiritual malady, that we are spiritually sick and that we have a spiritual solution to this. And also that we have recovered from a hopeless state of mind and body. And um, some will also say that we are still recovering. And it seems like a contradiction, but it's true. Because we ha can recover from the mental obsession and from the physical cravings. But we ha are, are recovering from the spiritual malady, alcoholism. And the big book says we have a daily reprieve from this contingent upon our spiritual condition. So it is an ongoing process. Um, the big book is full of anomalies like this, um, things that seem to contradict each other. For instance, in one part it says uh, that we are rocketed into a fourth dimension. But in another place it says there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. So what is it? Are we on the rocket? <laughs> Or is it going to be a long time of recovery? How do you reconcile this? Well, one is an external experience, that reconstruction, building trust, making amends, um, mending your fences. And uh, the other is an internal experience, being in that place of happiness, joy, and freedom that the big book talks about, no matter what your outer life. Your circumstances do not define your inner spiritual condition. That inner peace comes from being right with God, right with yourself, and right with others. And that's what I'm speaking of when I say that who you are is more important than what you do. And we're talking about being people, not doing things. Um, but is what we do important? Of course it is. Ours is a program of action, right? But what action and why is vitally important to distinguish if you want to have a successful experience in recovery. All of us have seen those people who are going 90 miles an hour, going to treatment centers, going to jails, attending meetings, sponsoring to all appearances active, yet they relapse. And they come back in and they say, well, I must not have done a thorough fourth step. Well, I guess I better work the steps again. And they think they have missed some significant piece of information along the way. But what has happened is that what's going on on the outside, they may have been doing a lot. But what was happening on the inside? There's a lot of people in the fellowship who become service junkies. They're busy and occupied every single moment of their day thinking that they can solve what is an internal problem with external action. They're heading in the right direction, but still off track. And do not go away from here saying, Norma said that service work is not important. <laughs> that is not the message that I have today because, um, you know, uh, service work saved my life. And new people, it is a vital part of our program of recovery. Um, the big book says our problem is selfishness and self-centeredness, that we are driven people driven by a hundred forms of fear, 
that our lives have been fueled by these things, selfish ambition, wrong motives, fear-driven action, and attitudes. What's worse, we live in a society that supports this. Today's therapist will tell you, you can't love anyone until you love yourself. We're given professional permission by professional enablers to put ourselves first. But what does the big book say? That our recovery is not based on receiving, but through giving. And that perhaps there is a better way. Not the way of selfishness and fear, but the way that enables us to rely on God who can match all of your calamity with all of his serenity. Big Vic says a lack of power is our problem. So our higher power is our solution. But can I get that power from God if I am blocked by my own selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, or fear? The action necessary to connect with the power of God is not going to 100 meetings a week, sponsoring as many people as you can, and having more service commitments than is humanly possible. If you look at the chapter into action, this chapter is not about being active with service work. It starts with step five, in which we develop humility. And it is dealing with the inner spiritual condition that our program of action begins. It moves on through steps six and nine, through which we gain a little more integrity. Seeking guidance, where we develop that sixth sense, requiring open-mindedness and willingness. It, get to gain, it takes to gain intuitive thoughts that come from God. And then the maintenance steps of ten and eleven. That is what is in the chapter into action. It requires daily commitment, unselfish sacrifice, faith, and trust. All of this precedes the chapter working with others. Because if you have not cleared away the wreckage of the past, if you have not dealt with your character defects, if you have failed to begin the amends process, you are not fit for service. I'm not saying don't do service. <laughs> I'm saying... This enables us to be more fit. So if you follow directions, you find yourself at step 10, the inventory. It is here that we examine in what way I've bought the grace of God from my life, as it talks about in the 12 and 12. How do we develop the principles of our recovery program? How do we live a spiritually principled type of life? Look at the inventory process. These are the kind of questions that are going to arise. Have I been asking God for financial aid when I still owe financial amends? Debts I haven't repaid? Do I want people to love and accept me, but I'm withholding friendship and love from someone in my life? Do I have a bad attitude towards someone in fellowship? Don't answer these questions. <laughs> Talk to your sponsor. <laughs> Do I want my father or mother to accept me, yet I have not acted like a son or a daughter to them? These are the things that come to light through the inventory process and being accountable to a sponsor. The book says we search out the flaws in our makeup. It's not liquor that is the problem. It is the manifestation of self. We've entered the world of the spirit. That indicates we're trying to leave another world behind. The world's selfishness, driven by fear. 
we put down our weapons. What are our weapons? Blaming, manipulating, deceiving, guilt-tripping, etc. We've ceased fight. We've surrendered our power to the power of God. Here's another anomaly. We surrender in order to win the game of life. We're no longer in the dog-eat-dog world. It's not up to me to try to win. I have someone else on my side. We have to die itself in order to live. That's in a prayer of St. Francis. Our weapons, those of the defective character, those of a flawed makeup. Someone who's still blaming, manipulative, deceptive, arrogant, egotistical, prideful. These are on my inventory, (laughs) y'all. Attitudes and actions that are harmful and block us in our relationships with each other and within the fellowship. Our program of action includes the nightly review. Actually, my day for tomorrow begins the night before. Because if I go to sleep angry, resentful, afraid, anything in my heart that is unresolved, it is already affected tomorrow. I used to tell my friends, you know, I'm glad God's mercies are new every morning because so are my resentments, you know. (laughs) Step 11, step 11 suspiciously looks like step 10. It has some of the same elements. It says, were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Do we owe an apology? Have we kept something to ourselves which should have been discussed with another person at once? Were we kind and loving toward all? What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Or were we thinking of what we could do for others, what we could pack into the stream of life? Doesn't that sound like step 10? But there's a difference. Because in step 11, we take all of that and we inquire of God as to what to do. After making our review, we ask for God's forgiveness. And we ask what corrective measures could be taken. This is not a self-help program. It is a God-help program. (laughs) Nowhere in our big book does it say, ask someone else for help. Like the mainstream therapist will tell you, it says, ask God for help, then help someone else. What do we ask God for? Here's what it says. Inspiration. Intuitive thought. A decision. What our next step is to be. What corrective measures to take. To be freed from self-will. Ask for the right thought or action. For forgiveness. I need God to direct my thinking. Because I know what my world is like when Norma's in charge. You know, When I'm God, everybody dies. You know, <laughs> And many times I will have a sponsee call me. And she will have a very huge crisis on her hand. And she'll say, Norma, what do I do? I'm not going to play mother, counselor, preacher. You know, I mean, that is not my role. My role is to help her to connect with God. Somewhere I might have to say, have you done a fourth step on this? Have you done your tenth step? Have you asked God what to do? I don't know what you're going to do, but God knows. You know, follow the simple directions outlaid in this book, and the answers will come if you're own house is in order. The big book says this process may be an only occasional thing at first, but soon it becomes a working part of our mind. 
we develop that vital spiritual sense, the connection that our fear blocked, our selfishness blocked. It is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action. What action? Inventory, prayer, meditation. That's what it's talking about in the Into Action chapter. We still haven't arrived at step 12. We're looking for a vision of God's will to carry with us into step 12, but we can't get that if we're still full of ourselves, our resentments, and our self-pity. What is our role in life? It tells clearly on page 63, keep close to him, perform his work well. That's all I have to do. God will do the rest. The only way I can keep close to God is to remove those steps, those blocks in step 10 and 11. Listen for his guidance. Think on this all you want, the big book says. Um, It's proper use of the will. We don't have to bombard our problems with our willpower. Bombard them with God power. It's no longer up to us to try to figure it out. We're not running the show. We don't think our way into right acting. We act our way into right thinking in the simple way outlined in this book. When our thought life, which is our meditation, is placed on a higher plane, when our thinking is clear of wrong motives, it's really hard to wait to think your way out of a problem when you're full of resentment and anger. It's hard to hear from God when you're burning with jealousy, envy, and the like. The crisis we created is self-imposed, it says on page 53, due to our own actions and attitudes that have been grounded in selfishness and fear. So it is after this process that the big book mentions working with others. And how it works, the defining word in how it works is thoroughness. No one fails if they have thoroughly followed our path and completely given themselves to this simple program. You know, it's too simple for some of us. And the problem is, some of us get here too early. On page 25, it says, Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. We don't like it. It gets good results. If you are seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. We had passed through that region from which there is no return. Through human aid, we had two alternatives. One, go on to the bitter end, blocking out the consciousness of our intolerable situation best we could. The other, accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make the effort. You know, if you want to escape that place where your life is impossible, that region from which there is no return, no ticket out through human means, if you find yourself addicted and afflicted, and it is only through the desperation of the dying, that will give you a new life. This requires complete abandon, not half measures. The promises are being fulfilled, it says, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. What determines this? 
Well, look at the next sentence. They will always materialize if we work for them. What work? It says this thought, the work, this thought brings us to step 10, which suggests we continue to take personal inventory, continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the Spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for our lifetime. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately, make amends quickly if we have harmed them, and, and resolutely turn ourselves to someone we can help. Love and tolerance <coughs> code. Did you hear the tone of that? Spiritual action. Vigorously, at once, quickly, resolutely. I don't think they want us to drag our feet in this part. This is how we grow in understanding and effectiveness. Sponsees that I talk to after a relapse, first thing I ask them is, are you doing your inventory? Well, no. Are you doing your nightly review? Well, no, I've been busy. Have you been going to God for guidance? Have you been praying? Well, no, I kind of left that off. I already know if they're calling me or not, you know. Have you finished your amends? Have you been doing any kind of service work? All of these elements that make up our program. You know, someone can slide along reasonably happy for a long time without doing these things. But eventually they relapse because, again, you can look real good on the outside. You can look like you're pretty busy. Um, but I know who's experienced the promises. I not only, only see it, but I hear it when people talk in meetings. How many of you have been in meetings and you heard that member that opens their mouth to speak and half the group gets up to go get coffee? <laughs> Why? You know, they're riding on some mountaintop experience that happened 20 years ago and nothing else has happened since then. We already know what they're going to say. There's nothing new to share. Um, there have been no uh, changes. It's easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we, if we do. Again, the spiritual life is not a theory. You know, and I'm, I'm talking about, you know, there are people that, want to look good and impress others. This is, again, about our motives. Um, we cannot sacrifice one part of our program for another, any part. And I'm supposed to be talking about the principles of our recovery program, and I've been speaking to this in a roundabout way because it takes a lot of courage to live a spiritual life. It's easier to drink than to admit your fear. It's easier to be arrogant than to work on humility by doing an inventory. The people we are attracted to in AA are people who have developed integrity because they know the truth about themselves. You can't disconnect your circumstances from your choices. You know, um, there's a quality to our decision that affects the quality of your life and recovery. People that have that truth about themselves, they have that habit of prayer and meditation. 
They're seeking guidance. They're listening to God on a regular basis. The people who have found wisdom beyond their own. Perseverance. They're continuing to carry the vision of God's will every day, no matter how they feel. Generous with their time, money, and resources. Conduits of love. Strongly connected to the source of love. And they not only experience this, they exercise it. You know, love being not just a feeling, but an act, a commitment. Much like in the marriage, where the commitment continues long after the initial feeling of romance might be gone. And that's not true in my marriage. Anybody who knows Dave and I, but he has a little more testosterone than the average. (laughs) Those in the fellowship that hold our respect are those who show patience, who continue to do what is right even in the midst of a challenging situation, waiting for the miracle instead of jumping ahead of God. They know that suffering is not an excuse for giving up. They endure by holding on to gratitude, knowing that every circumstance can be a gift through which we are transformed, and that joy and pain can coexist. Bill Wilson wrote, The joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. Now I return to what I said in the beginning. What you do is less important than who you are. Being willing to follow the directions of your sponsor, of the group conscience, of what you hear from God. Faith alone is not enough. Prayer alone is not enough. Service alone is not enough. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action. However deep your faith, however broad your knowledge, if you fail to practice the principles embodied in our legacies, promises and gifts of the program will always elude you. And this brings me to speak a word about two opposite types of people in our fellowship. Those who relapse and come in and out and those who are constantly in the limelight. One reason we have a lot of people who frequently relapse is because this is not the AA of 1930 where only the desperate arrive at our doors. Our doors are open to all And there are a lot of people in our meetings who are less desperate. That does not mean we do not offer them love or tolerance. Shut the door in their face with our judgmental attitude simply because they relapse. I I can tell you of three individuals I know today that have uh, been in treatment center after treatment center after treatment center. They were called crazy. They were called you know, unwilling, not working hard enough. And, um, you know, today they have over 30 years of sobriety because someone was loving and tolerant, yet able to speak the truth to them. We have to keep the door of our heart open, no matter what we think in our mind about another person. We have no requirement for our membership other than a desire to stay sober. And if someone expresses that, no matter who they are, and are reasonably well-behaved, that's good enough for us. Our common welfare must come first. Gossiping about new people or old people, you know, 
That doesn't help our fellowship. And then there are those AA personalities we always see up front. They are like celebrities because they are so well known. And here's what I want to say about them. No one person represents AA. I do not represent AA. To be a great speaker is not the pinnacle of the success of recovery. Bill Wilson wrote, AA services anything that helps to reach a fellow sufferer. And there are many ways to carry the message. While we certainly appreciate those who can carry the message through speaking and workshops and such, and we enjoy someone, like my husband, Blind Dave, who could share their experience, strength, and hope with eloquence, wit, or charm, and a couple of off-color jokes. <laughs> These members are no less important in AA than that person who answers the phone at the local intergroup office or the guy that opens up the meeting every night, the person serving on committees, the GSR, the DCM, our delegates, you know, involved in our service structure. Frequently, we hear the person most remembered by those grateful to be in AA today was the one who greeted them at the door, gave them a cup of coffee, put a phone number in their pocket, first night of their first meeting. And also, unity between our groups is vital to us. There aren't any bad AA groups, y'all. And there aren't any best AA groups. We're just a bunch of drunks who normally would not mix. And I hear people say all it takes is a resentment and a coffee pot to start a new group. <laughs> Well, I'd like to offer, why don't you work on your resentment, pay for your coffee, and stay and make your group healthy instead of jumping ship. <laughs> are there problems among our groups? Of course there are. Since the 1960s and the advent of treatment centers, addiction specialists, court programs, all kinds of things have infiltrated our meetings. And people bring stuff in that has nothing to do with the message of recovery. There has been a continual dilution and misinterpretation of who and what AA is and does. And yes, groups do have problems. But that is what the group conscience is for. To let God speak through the group to bring about change and solution. The podium is not the appropriate place to air opinions about AA as a whole. Or group differences and difficulties. And chances are individuals who do this are not familiar with or involved in the service structure. Or they would have a better understanding and respect toward how to solve these kinds of problems. Individual AA members who condemn, criticize, or complain publicly about AA or AA groups damage the unity of our fellowship, I think. We have GSRs. We have DCMs. We have delegates to help us deal with these things that need changing, and as I said, God, through our group conscience. Dr. Bob knew things would change. He warned us against it. He said, Bill, don't screw this thing up. Keep it simple. He said, love and service would keep us dry. In 1960, Bill wrote that genuine simplicity that today is to be found in whatever principles, practices, and services that can permanently ensure our widespread harmony and effective 
effectiveness. And that unity for us AAs is a matter of life and death. The steps of recovery have saved our lives. The traditions have saved our groups. And if we truly practice the principles in all our affairs, including our recovery fellowship, unity will only add to our life, whether it be at the kitchen table over coffee and cake or at the international convention. I want to thank you again for the privilege of being here today and for the most priceless gift we have together our recovery.